What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. I'm John, and this is r slash Tales from Auto Repair. Yeah, I guess this is going to become a regular fixture because uh, right now, at least during the summer, malicious compliance seems to be a little bit slow, and uh, actually Pro Revenge does too, so you guys seemed to like these stories the other day, so why not? All right, let's get to it. No car for you. I always joke that our motto is drive in and walk out. Not really, but funny all the same. One day it was a true story. Springtime in our region can be a time of some really volatile weather. I call some of those forecasts situation normal. Rain and severe storms predicted with a slight chance of getting your house relocated via tornado. So this spring the big one hit. It was a tornado that passed through three counties and hit our region hard. It nearly demolished our house, going just a half mile north and damaging several houses north of where we lived. It then bent north a bit, then west again, going just north of our shop. We heard it coming and took cover until we realized it was not going to hit us directly. It was passing just north of us. I will never forget the sight of opening the back door of our shop and watching that huge funnel cloud going across the interstate. It was surreal. After it crossed the interstate, it went to chewing up more houses, and sadly, a few fatalities occurred at that point. The tornado then moved into a less populated area and crossed into the next county before ultimately petering out. With dozens of houses damaged and miles of wire down, we lost power and no one thought it was coming back very soon. There were power poles and towers down, and the hardworking people at our local utilities were going to be working in shifts around the clock for the foreseeable future rebuilding the grid. Where this tied into our shop was that we had a car on the lift. We were servicing a Honda Pilot for one of our favorite customers. He was a Chinese guy who owned the local liquor store. Most of us were frequent customers of his. But today we had a problem. No power meant we couldn't lift the car off the locks to let it down. Once off the locks, we could let it down using the hydraulics to slowly lower it. But once you set the rack on the locks, there's no way to raise it up without electrical power. We discussed several methods and rejected them. From using floor jacks and poles to raise up all four corners of the floor post to get it off the jacks, but thought it might end in a situation where we could possibly get hurt or damage the car. No one had remembered to bring their 220 volt generator to work with them that day for some strange reason. The customer came by several times as we were sorting out everything. Like our shop, his was also without power and it was evident that we were going to be without power and people were not going to be doing much shopping. They were telling everyone to go home and stay home, and to try to limit the calls as the remaining cells were straining to handle the volume. I had already made sure my wife and children were safe at that point. He kept walking back and checking. I guess sitting in a dark liquor store might be a dream for some, but he was ready to go back home. We had already shown him the obstacles we were facing, and the only alternative we could possibly envision working was a wrecker lifting the car. Which, due to how tight the area around the back of the shop is, where the forepost is located, would be a tight lift indeed. Coupled with the local emergency, we elected to just wait and see if our local electrical workers could patch things together enough to power things to the south of the storm path. I left the customer my cell phone number, as I lived 10 minutes away and went home to hug the kids and check up on any damage to my house, seeing as how close the tornado path was. Nothing more than a few leaves and branches down, thankfully. After about two hours, I get a call that the power is on at the liquor store, and could I come see if he could get his car? I drove in and took care of that quickly. Things could have gone a lot worse that day. Only four or five perished that day, which was a tragedy to be sure. But seeing as how bad the tornado was and how long the path on the ground was, it could have been way worse. We're lucky they weren't counting the dead numbering in dozens or hundreds. 
Many of my friends describe how they narrowly avoided certain injury or death as the tornado sideswiped their houses instead of directly hitting and leveling the structure with them in it. Luckily the tornado didn't hit the shop as, besides the oil change pit, there's not a lot of safe areas. Yes, you can reference that scene in the movie Twister, but their pit is deeper. Something about hitting rock and blasting ours out and leaving it a bit shallow, and getting the electric turned on so quick was a heroic job indeed. It was an eventful day to be sure. I can only imagine. I've only encountered a couple tornadoes in my life and they were still from at least enough distance that I knew I wasn't going to get hurt. And there have been a few bad ones in the U.S. here lately. You know, you do what you got to do. If power's out, power's out. As long as people are safe, then you just deal with the inconveniences. And I've seen some garages where they would have tried that. They would have jacked that four post up and, uh, and definitely got that car down probably quicker than they thought they would. Or tried to snatch it out with a tow truck and then uh, ended up dropping it on its roof or something stupid. So good for you for uh, keeping a cool head. A time when things didn't go as expected. Several years ago, I get a call from a friend one day. He was featured in a previous story and is now fairly high up in a tire manufacturer's management team. It's not a brand we sell a ton of, but they're well known. He has a proposal for me. We agree to be an affiliate dealer for their brand, and he has a connection with a local utility that promises to buy tires exclusively from us. He has a relative that works at the utility that will give us the business provided we get them a written deal that gives them a good rate on anything we do from installing tires to doing brakes, etc. We will get a ton of sales and make all sorts of money by landing this account. Since we're all about trying to make money to buy all sorts of luxury items like food and keeping the lights turned on, we decided to jump in and try the deal. The utility was basing their projected tire sales numbers on the amount of tires they purchased the prior year or two before, so everyone kind of assumed they would purchase roughly the same number of tires the next year. We also thought that we would get some of the repair work off doing the tire work for this utility based on the prior years. But as we started in, things were not adding up. We weren't seeing the amount of tires that they promised at any time. It was much, much less, and as the months passed, we started to project not even half that number of tires. The other disturbing thing was that anytime we found an item that needed repair, they would take it back to their shop. So we were doing a ton less of the tire business and about none of the repair business. This was not good on many levels. Our whole reasoning for getting into this contract was predicated on getting a lot of business. We had given them a great deal based on the volume they promised us as well as the fact that if we did hit that large volume, we would get a nice check from the tire manufacturer. It was a tiered system that got nicer the higher the level you could attain by selling lots of their brands of tires. We were struggling to attain the lowest rung on their tier as we just were not moving that many tires in this brand. Finally, one day all the pieces fell into place. You don't exactly call them up and demand they send you more trucks, and we kept checking, but they never needed tires. Where were all the numbers of tires going based on the sales from the years before? Well, there was a guy who was the manager of the fleet for this utility. It was discovered that he was taking the trucks in after only 10,000 miles and installing new tires and then keeping the old, nearly new tires and selling them to his friends. So in reality, they didn't need that many tires at all. Once he was let go, their tire budget dropped considerably. Imagine that. Then in a move that was good for them and bad for us, the person that was hired to replace the thief was and is a top-notch mechanic that tired of the rat race that is dealership life. He went to work at the utility and has been saving them tons of money by watching their costs and also repairing nearly everything in-house. So all the things we intended to make money off of in this deal never came to fruition. 
After a year or so after the contract ran out, we kind of parted ways with the utility as it wasn't really a good arrangement for our shop at all. Funny how things can go from visions of money to being a total disappointment in a very short time. Yeah, I've gotten into a few deals like that in the past where somebody will promise that they're going to give you so much in sales if you do their work exclusively. Even in my soap business, I've had people try that. And uh, rarely do they ever come through. They want that deal and they'll say anything that it takes to get that deal. What they didn't realize was that the contract that I made them sign, I specifically stated that if you don't hit this mark every month, this sales mark, then you get no deal. You will pay full wholesale pricing. And if you drop down to this dollar amount, which was, I think, about half of that, then you're going to pay full retail. And it was a contract, so they had to do it. Now, I wasn't that much of a jerk. I didn't hold them to it, but but I definitely let them out of the contract. They tried to fight it, but yeah. You got to read your contracts, boys and girls, and don't try to screw me because I know I look old and stupid, but... Try to take advantage of one of my friends? Not happening. One of my longtime customers, Susie, calls me the other day. Susie's been with us long enough that I have seen all three of her kids go through elementary school and high school, and now she has two in college and one already graduated from college. Now, not only is she a super good customer, she knows a fair bit about cars and what questions to ask. Her parents ran a body shop and she worked there and got a little background in cars. So she knows more than a ton of our customers, but she's also not one of those who thinks they know everything about a car either. More so, she knows what information we need and gives it to us. So Susie buys a 2017 Hyundai Tucson. It's new enough and has low enough miles it's still under some sort of factory warranty. And boy howdy does it need this warranty. Susie's told me repeatedly of all the time this car, SUV, spends in the shop. Last year it spent months at the dealership waiting for a turbocharger replacement. She and I would have both loved to have had our shop do it, but it was a factory warranty, so it had to go to the local Hyundai dealership. And wait, and wait. Susie keeps me up to date on all the joys of this experience, as I see her when she's picking up or dropping off one of the three of her kids' vehicles that we also service. Luckily, she's able to work around the inconvenience of having her car out by using the kids' cars or carpooling with friends to work. Not 60 days after she gets the car back from the first repair, she realizes it's not driving right again. She brings it into us and we give her the diagnosis that it needs transmission work. Susie thinks the warranty will cover that, so she's back off to the dealership. This next repair is just like the first. Lots of waiting. She relays conversations where they say things like they're still trying to determine which type of transmission she has so they can order the parts. Like they have the car, have the VIN, and know the transmission's coming out and still can't figure out which transmission her car has? Not very likely, but if that is true, I don't know whether to be amused or horrified about how inept they apparently are. I think the real truth of the matter is that they're overwhelmed by having 200 customers with engines to replace under recall in the parking lot and are struggling to deal with the massive engine recall and also keep up with the normal workflow. But either way, the dealership is struggling. No worries, Susie's a patient person. She calls and checks in, but it's not ready. Finally, it is ready. She settles up with them. There were parts that were not covered by warranty, but that was clearly communicated and she's aware of that part. Now here's where things get spicy, as a local sportscaster used to stay on his radio show back in the day. Susie picks up the car and it's clunking, not from the transmission, but from the front end when she turns a corner and when she hits a bump. Susie takes it back to the dealership where they immediately tell her the tech noted she had some worn parts on the front end. 
Susie calls me as she is waiting in the dealership asking my opinion. She's struggling to remember what they told her the issue might be while they supposedly look at the noise. I think I know what the issue might be. I tell Susie that it's most likely the sway bar links. We've seen those where when you have to take them loose for any service where they get brittle and don't go back together at all, causing the clunk she's experiencing. I explain they typically have to take the cradle out to remove and install the transmission. When you take out the cradle, you have to take the sway bar links out as well as some other major components. For those less mechanically inclined, the cradle is what we in the automotive business typically call the section of frame that goes from the firewall forward that holds the transaxle in place. It holds the engine and transmission slash transaxle in place. You typically remove it for certain jobs. It can be unbolted and with proper support dropped out with the engine still in the car. To her credit, I don't have to go into detail about what a cradle is or what a sway bar link is. Susie gets a bit excited. She says she thinks it's a sway bar link or links as well, as her daughter's Jeep had a broken one a while ago. Daughter finally realized that it was going to be hard to finance college and Jeep repairs at the same time and sold the Jeep much to my chagrin. I love Jeeps. I wish more people owned one around here. Rolling money pits. Anyhow, Susie recalled the Jeep had similar characteristics when driving it with a broken sway bar link. I explain that it isn't exactly uncommon, it isn't typically expensive, and then we both speculate why they never mentioned it earlier before turning the car over to her after the transmission repair, especially after the tech supposedly noted their poor condition. Susie and I discuss that there's a near 100% certainty that they dropped the cradle to do the transmission on her car. Susie tells me she'll let me know what they said and hangs up. The next part is bizarre. I guess they mistook her for a female that didn't have any knowledge of cars, or they're stupid and lazy at that dealership. Maybe they're checking all the boxes. Here's the playback of the conversation as per Susie. Service guy. We've inspected your car and it needs sway bar end links. Susie, before we can go any further. I have a question. Did you have to drop the cradle to do the transmission? Did this have any effect on those sway bar links? Service guy. Gets steer in a headlight look. No, we didn't have to drop the cradle. Our technicians are very talented. They can get the transmission out without dropping the cradle. It's tight, but they can do it. Susie. That's about as much as I need to hear. Can I get my keys now, please? Service guy. Don't you want a price on the sway bar links? Susie. I want a second opinion. Service guy looks unhappy but brings her keys. Wise decision. Susie might be female and very cute, but she isn't about to let anyone give her the runaround. Next day, I get the car in and put it on the lift. Woo boy, what fun are we about to have? I text Susie at work. You won't believe this, but your sway bar links appear to be fine. They're loose. Also, that cradle they didn't drop? Loose bolt there, too. Under car shield is loose as well. She texts back from work when she gets a chance. So they seriously just didn't tighten things? You think it was just to try and sell me something I didn't need? I wouldn't trust those guys to do anything at this point. I'm mad at this point that they would try to shaft my friend, but not surprised. The dealers get greedier and stupider every day, it seems. I question whether they even put the car up on the lift the second time or just pulled it around where she couldn't see and tried to sell her on the repairs. Either way, time for a little justice for Susie. We fixed the car, and I also wonder about the alignment. After all, the cradle could move if the bolt wasn't tight. Shockingly, the alignment is way out. Guess they never looked at that either. Not surprised. We usually check the alignment after we drop the cradle to make sure things are square because it also holds the lower control arms, and if the cradle moves, it alters the alignment in a big way. Some shops don't, but that's their call. I decide Susie needs to be able to get something. So I write a bill like a dealership would instead of our normal billing practices, which are a lot more customer friendly and less ridiculous. 
But if they want to play games and do shoddy work and try to charge her for their mistakes, time to give them the taste of their own medicine. Hmm, what can we get away with billing? Let me see. Checkout fee, one hour. Titan sway bar and links. Well, book labor to replace is one and a half hours, so there you have it. Titan cradle bolt, half hour. Alignment, one. Shop supplies, tax, and any other charges I can think of as well. I write up a doozy of an estimate, very inflated, and give it to Susie. She's happy her car is fixed, but still angry about how they tried to take advantage of her. To be sure, I'm angry too. Try to take advantage of one of my friends? Game on. Let's get it on. She happily takes a large estimate and promises to let me know how it goes. I already explained I wasn't going to charge her the big amount on the estimate and she trusts me on this. Susie gets their attention by roasting them on social media. Soon enough they reply and she has an appointment with the service manager as directed by the general manager. She takes my estimate over there and explains in detail just how sloppy their workmanship was and how they tried to charge her for their mistakes instead of making things right when they had a chance to. They agree to pay but still have to get signed off to pay the bill by the operations manager. Sounds like they might want to hire a manager to actually make sure their techs are tightening bolts along with all those other managers. Susie's happy that they promised to check. She'll be happier after I knock this bill down to something more reasonable and this whole fiasco results in netting several hundred dollars. We all make mistakes. All they had to do was actually look at the car and then do the right thing. Why is this so hard? Well, it's not that hard, OP. Honestly, what most of it comes down to is pure laziness. Most of the time, it's not even greed. It's just laziness. You got too many bosses, not enough hourly employees. Um, bosses like to be lazy too, and they don't want to go actually check on things and make sure people are trained right or make sure that they're doing the job that you hired them to do. Uh, they like to take too many smoke breaks for the ones that smoke. Some people just like to wander off and chit-chat and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying, you know, they need to be balls to the wall all day nonstop, but, you know, if you're getting paid an hourly wage, and most mechanics should be making a decent wage, I'm not saying all garages pay a fair wage, but, you know, in my opinion, it, it just do it right. You're getting paid by the hour regardless. Don't dog the job, but, you know, make sure things are done right. Go back over things. Now, if your boss won't let you do that, now we're back to the boss thing again. I had that happen on uh, my wife's old Plymouth Voyager minivan. We experienced some uh, transmission issues once on this thing, and it wouldn't shift. It seemed like it was shifting into second, but wouldn't go any further. So we could do 35, maybe 40 around town comfortably, and it was okay. Uh, but it wouldn't go above that. So we took it to the garage, the garage that I had been going to since they opened, and uh, they told me that I needed a new transmission. I trusted these guys, and I'm like, okay, makes sense. Now, mind you, at this time, we are flat broke, and I mean broke beyond broke. And a lot of these shops have a uh, like a credit plan that you can get to get the parts for your vehicle. It's like a uh, revolving credit line. So we did that, and they got a Jasper transmission, installed it, Ran good for a little while, and then we were in New Jersey, and it gave us hassles again. I tried to change the transmission filter and a couple other things just to try to see if maybe maybe it was clogged up, and that was keeping it from shifting. No dice. We drove it back from New Jersey, which would normally be about a three-and-a-half-hour trip at 35 miles an hour on the surface roads. And uh, actually, it only took us like an extra 45 minutes, so that wasn't bad. But uh took it back to the guy. The transmission itself was under warranty, but the labor wasn't. So, okay, now we got to put the labor on this card and 
have the transmission replaced again and be without our car for a week plus. Ran good for a couple weeks and then it started crapping out again. The guy wanted to argue with me and I said, look, what are the odds that you got two bad transmissions in a row? It's pretty damn slim. He wanted to argue, argue, argue. (laughs) Well, I was helping a buddy of mine out and it was certain days, you know, I worked for the school system. So on a snow day, I didn't have to go to work. So I'd hang out in his garage and, you know, help him collect keys, pull cars into the shop, just do whatever. I wasn't, I wasn't getting paid. I was just hanging out. He heard about my transmission issues and said, you know, what do you think it is? And I said, it's not the transmission. I firmly don't believe that Jasper sent out two bad transmissions in a row. So I started Googling and I'm sitting in his shop, playing on my phone, looking up this, you know, this shifting issue. And evidently there's multiple shift sensors on this vehicle. And so I dug further and further and further. And after about an hour, I concluded that it was this one particular shift sensor. So he offered to have his guys pull it in and pull this sensor out and replace it for very little cost. I mean, actually, he gave me most of the job and the part uh, because I'd been helping him out. So it took the guy about 20 minutes once the part showed up to put it back together with the new sensor, plug it all in, dropped it. That transmission ran like a dream. Even if he had charged me full price, it wouldn't have cost me more than 100 bucks. So basically, the end of the sensor was scorched on the old transmission. And if they had replaced that sensor, the odds are pretty good that the old transmission, the original one, would have ran fine. Needless to say, we don't go to that garage anymore. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.